guys. Welcome back to Celtics fifth quarter. Celtics big win in a closeout game, 92 to 87. I'm joined again by Billy, who I know is pumped. We're filming filming this the day after the Celtics game. Game ended around midnight, so we decided to record it the next day. But Billy, give me your main takeaway. I mean, you knew it was going to be, you knew it was going to be a dogfight all the way through. Um, and, you know, obviously a huge win for the Celtics. But before we do anything, like, huge tip of our cap to Toronto. Like, they were fantastic. A great opponent. Um, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but Kyle Lowry. Like, Pascal Siakam was a big nothing burger for th- almost the entire series here. Um, and Kyle Lowry, man, is just a, just a dog, just a complete animal and a competitor. So, I got nothing respect for, for them. But – Quite frankly, as talented as this team is, and as much as we expect the future out of this team with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, we got Kemba, um, this is a series you have to win, and we found a way to win it. So, um, fired up about the future, and a uh, huge win for us, and huge win for Brad, too. Huge win for Brad. This is a chess match. Complete chess match. Came out on top. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, I don't think the series should have gone to seven games. I think we had opportunities to close it out beforehand, but happy we came out on top on the series. Honestly, this was one of the best basketball games to watch just because game seven, everything's on the line. You can feel the energy on the court, and it was close throughout. Like, I don't think the lead ever was more than, like, seven to nine points throughout the whole game. And it it was just back and forth. It was a nail-biter. I was screaming at my TV the whole time. I hadn't been that into a game in so long. Great game to watch. It was an unbelievable game to watch, and, um, you know, you're going to get into – Jason Tatum here in a minute. The one thing that I noticed about these Celtics is rising to the occasion. We'll get into Marcus Smart later, but Jason Tatum, you could tell by his body language, like this was probably the first time since his rookie year where he took on the like, we're not losing mentality. Like there's no way that we're, we're losing this game. And it was awesome to watch. It's just another, it's another notch in the story of Jason Tatum and watching him grow over these last few years. And even in this playoff series has been incredible. Yeah, we knew Jason Tatum had superstar talent, but the thing that pushed him over the edge tonight or last night was that winner mentality, that, that mm-hmm. I'm a dog, I'm not going home. You can see in his face, bro, because in game six, in game six and in game five, you're looking at him and you're like, he just looks like he's out of his, uh, he looks like he's out of his element. He's out of his, he's out of his sorts here, but there was, he was clearly the alpha dog on the court in this game. Absolutely. 29 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. The man was facilitating. <laughs> but a uh, defensive battle throughout the whole game. Celtics had 12 steals, five blocks. But honestly, the thing that's most shocking to me is both teams shot horrible this whole game. Obviously, they both had less than 100 points, which is doesn't happen that much in the NBA anymore. But both teams shot under 30% from three. The Celtics shot 23% from three. You can't do that in a game seven. I'm just going to put that out there. Like, we're lucky that we are so good on defense that you cannot put up 92 points and shoot 23% from three and expect to win every time. Some of these numbers for for the three-point shots, I mean, Marcus Smart, two of ten. He, he, the worst thing that can happen for Marcus Smart is he comes out and hits two early threes, which he did. Um, so he, went, he goes two for ten. Jalen Brown, one for seven. Kemba Walker, who – Man, Kevin Walker's just having a, t- having a tough couple games. I have no doubt that he'll turn it around. He was huge for us down the stretch, but uh, one for seven, five of 16, just, just out of his sorts, man. It was uh, it's tough to see. Yeah, and he was, he was missing free throws too, which was really surprising. That's, that's when you can really tell when a shooter is out of his rhythm and when they're missing their free throws. And Celtics missed 10 free throws tonight. They shot 13 
of 23 from the free throw line, 56% from the free throw line. That's horrendous that you, you can't shoot 56% from the free throw line. You got to be better than that, but still came out on top, but definitely, definitely got to improve in that. Nothing got improving. Seven bench points. Obviously, you're not going to play your bench that much in a game seven, but still, they were out there. They, I think four of them almost logged 10 minutes. You got to score more than seven points. Grant Williams didn't score, but I thought Grant Williams played exceptional down the stretch. He didn't play at all in the first half. I don't even think he played in the, fir- in the third quarter. All of a sudden, Brad throws him out there in the fourth quarter and plays some of the best defense I've seen out of a rookie in a game seven. I thought he played exceptional. Can we just talk about the cojones to to throw him in there? Like, I'm not going to lie to you. When Tice fouls out, I'm like, oh, man. Like, Robert Williams cannot go into this game right now. I don't know what the hell we're going to do here. But, I mean, the the faith to having Grant Williams to throw him in there and the minutes that he gave you on defense. Granted, got to make the free throws. But, man, Grant Williams was fantastic. A, a full team, just a full team win, man. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and he, he locked down Fred Van Vliet at the end of the game. I think it's a lo- tough matchup, too. It's a tough yeah. matchup. Van Vliet is quick. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I thought he played exceptional defense. And I think going forward into the Heat series, you're going to see Grant Williams log a lot of minutes as the backup center. And I do not think you'll see Robert Williams play that much in this series because the Heat are a shooting team. They like to run a lot of off-ball screens and try to get shooters open. And I don't think Robert Williams is quick enough to stay out on the court on that. So I think Grant Williams will will see a lot of time in the Heat series. No doubt about it. Talking about talk to me a little bit about uh about Marcus Saw cuz the bigs, I mean, it was uh, it was feast or famine with the bigs in Toronto. So, first of all, I have no idea why Nick Nurse prefers to play Marcus Saul over Serge Ibaka, especially in this series. And we said this in game 1 and game 2. We yeah. said this early on. We're like what is he doing? What is why is he on the court? What is he adding? Yeah, it it's been obvious the whole series that Ibaka has played miles better than uh, than Marcus All. And just just a number to throw out there, Marcus All was a minus nineteen tonight or last night. Serge Ibaka was a plus six. The, there was a point I think it, the Celtics were losing by seven points when Marcus All was out. Serge Ibaka comes in. Celtics are up, are down seven points. Marcus All comes back in. Celtics go on a seventeen to six run and retake the lead. There's not a coincidence there. You're trying to make it happen. I mean, you look up and down Toronto's roster, and with how many really good interchangeable parts that they had, I mean, Powell was fantastic this entire this entire series. Serious hats off to him. Uh, and Ibaka just adds such a dimension with him. Like, if you're going to have a big posted up above the free throw line, you may as well have it be Ibaka. Um, and still, you know, he's a little bit past his prime when it comes to defense, but he's still a pretty good shot blocker. Uh, Marcus Saul just... He's like a 90s basketball player. He's an early 2000s basketball player, and it doesn't really fit the type of offense that they're looking to run. Um, And then, I mean, I'm going to let you rant on it. I'm just going to read these numbers here. Um, You know, everybody's been trying to tell everybody how good Pascal Siakam is. His his splits and his averages for these games, 14.9 points per game, 38.2% from the field, and 12.5% from the three-point line. If you want to see my opinion – on Pascal Siakam, please go look up uh, Stephen A. Smith going off about Pascal Siakam because that I could not have said it any better than Stephen A. said. Pascal had five turnovers tonight, or last night. I keep saying tonight. Pascal had five turnovers last night, played horrible in a game seven. That I think to me, that's the biggest telling sign of a player. He just, throughout the series, just did not show up. 
he was obviously being locked down by Jalen Brown and had his only move is just a spin move. All the man does is just keep spinning. And the Celtics, Celtics were there for that. Jalen Brown was clamping him up, and he had he had no response to it. I thought he played horrible the entire series. There's actually it was funny. There's a reporter who went up to Pascal Siakam after the game and said and said, Pascal, how do you feel that this is all your fault? Oh my God! I mean, I would have punched that reporter in the face, but um, I just I didn't understand. I mean, we all know how good of a coach Nick Nurse is. I don't understand how you can keep you try nothing else. Like I, I really, I, the force feeding of him with the basketball game in and game out. And I understand you got to get him going, but I mean, it was pretty evident that the, the moment was either too big for him or he just didn't have it going this series. Uh, and there were just no adjustments. And, you know, the Marcus all and the Pascal Siakam issue. Um, it, it was, it was pretty, it was, a, if you told me that Pascal Siakam was going to average that going into this series, I'd have been like, we're probably in a little bit of trouble, but, um, just such, so hard headed with those, with those two, uh, coaching points. Yeah. But you know, who, who wasn't horrible throughout the whole series, Jason Tatum, who without Jason Tatum, we would have lost that he was the only one who really showed up on the offensive end tonight that I know other players had their baskets here and there. But if you watch, a lot of that was created by the space that the defense had to adjust to Jason Tatum. That Jason Tatum was creating so much space on the offensive end, and without him, we would have lost this game. And this is the second game in a row. I mean, these are two two games in a row where he wasn't just, like, scoring. He was facilitating. I don't remember how many assists he had in game six, but he definitely was facilitating. And uh, we'll kind of – we'll go into this. We'll transition this here. Talk to me a little bit about uh, about Kemba Walker this series. So I thought he played pretty decent in the in the first half of the series, and then I think the Raptors changed their defensive scheme to really take away Kemba Walker. I think they saw that they couldn't take away Jason Tatum, so they said, you know what, we're going to let Jason Tatum beat us, and we're going to take away Kemba Walker. And granted, Jason Tatum did end up beating them, but Kemba Walker had like no response to what the Raptors were throwing at him. That um, I, I don't I don't know exactly what the Raptors were doing to get into his head, but he could not find his way. And like I said, he was missing free throws. He was, he was missing his little mid-range shots that he always hit. He was one of seven from three. I think he'll find his touch against Miami. I think Miami plays a little bit differently on defense. They're nowhere near um, the defense that Toronto has. So hopefully Kemba gets it going against Miami. That and I want to – I mean, look, there's no way around it. I'm every we love Marcus Smart. This is a this is a pro Marcus Smart podcast. Marcus Smart honestly ran the offense, or the offense ran through Marcus Smart for three and a half quarters. Um, his feel for the game is something that I think is really underrated. His decision making is something that's really underrated when it comes to really important moments. We all get upset with like the three pointers that he takes sometimes, but down the stretch, he's always making the right play. He's always making the right pass. And uh, when Kemba was struggling, Marcus was able to pick up the slack there. Marcus is no doubt the best passer on the Celtics. And what he does on the defensive end is it's invaluable. That you, can't put a, you can't put a value on what Marcus does on the defensive end. Definitely the leader of this team. Still going to say he should be the captain. He should have a C right there on his jersey. But I know they're not going to do that, but he, he deserves it. He absolutely does deserve it. In turn, little comparison game that I was thinking as I was watching, Marcus Smart is giving me serious Tony Allen vibes. I've said this before, but Brian, he's better on offense. He's more athletic. I mean, you know, 
I, 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 lo- I love that comparison. Every team needs a Marcus Smart. Kyle Lowry, comparison game here. Is Kyle Lowry like a lower version of Chris Paul? Absolutely. I think that's a great comparison. That They both play that that kind of like chippy way, like the unethical little things they do on defense, like grabbing the jersey, standing in front of people so they can't get to the ball, like things you would normally like not do, but they do it and they get away with it because they're so good at it. I think Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul play similar in that way. One last thing before we uh, go to moving forward. Jalen Brown, I want to nominate Jalen Brown for, an, uh, for a Tony Award. When he dunked the ball and then laid on the ground, grabbing his knee, grabbing his groin, I – he had me fooled. I thought we were bringing the Orlando stretcher out. I thought he was done. Um, so if Jalen can avoid doing that, we can mop the floors and make sure they're not wet. That would be fantastic as well. Yeah, that was really scary. I was watching the game on a stream. And so when it's a commercial break, there's no commercial. It just says we are in a commercial break. And it's just dead silence. So yeah. it cuts from Jalen Brown grabbing his knee, grabbing his groin to just dead silence for two minutes. And I'm everything's going through my head. Like, is he, is he okay? Like, it, yeah. can he walk? Like, is he going to get, is he going to get back in this game? Luckily he was fine, stayed in the game, but definitely. A yeah. Step. I, co- I, I go, he, he hits the ground. I go to the bathroom. I come back and I'm like, wait, he's playing defense now. What was all, what was, what was all that about? You stayed on the court. You're all good now. Yeah. I, I don't even know what the injury was. I, I didn't look at it. They didn't, I don't think they said what he injured, but yeah. God, he's okay because Celtics definitely need Jalen Brown. Moving forward. Everyone not named Jason Tatum has to play better on offense. That yes. Jason Tatum is going to get his, but the guys around him have to play better on offense. You got to start knocking down those open corner threes. That Miami is going to put up a lot of points. That you're not going to see Miami put up 87 points in a game. They're going to make their threes. They're not going to shoot 28% from three. They're going to make their shots. So not only do we have to play better on offense, I think our defensive scheme has to change entirely. That throughout this series, we were clogging the paint and making Toronto beat us with the three ball. And you saw only in two games Toronto shot the ball over 35% from three. And that's why we won the series. But you're not going to get that from Miami. Miami is a much better shooting team. I hated playing them in the regular season because it yep. seems every single time they're just knocking down these three-pointers. Again, offensive rebounds kick out to a wide-open shooter, and it's just demoralizing. I hate playing Miami. But our defensive scheme definitely has to change. We have to get out on shooters. Mm. I'm, exp- I'm excited to see how Tice matches up too because he's, he's, he's able to adjust to kind of whatever situation he's in I think Tice is going to be huge and I'll also be interested to see if we get some canter minutes um, but yeah definitely expect to see a lot more Grant Williams in this series yeah I think the center minutes are going to be really situational like I said earlier I think that Robert Williams probably won't see the court as much and Grant Williams will get a lot of those minutes Tice is obviously going to get his. I'm not sure how Cantor really fits in. Maybe if we need some offense, some rebounding in there, Cantor might squeeze in a couple minutes. But I think Brad's going to really play it situationally uh, with, his, with his centers. Another thing, though, Gordon Hayward's coming back. I don't, I don't think he's going to be there for game one. Game one's on Tuesday. Don't think he'll be ready for game one. But game two, game three, Gordon Hayward's back, and that's huge. And I biggest thing for you – no, no Sammy Ojale if Gordon Hayward's back. Dude, I got to tell you, nine minutes again in game seven. I, I'll tell you what. I'm looking at, like, the stat sheet, and some of these numbers, I'm like, there's no – like, if I just look at our box score, I'm like, there's no way we won this game. You know, you got Daniel Tice, two of eight. You got Kemba Walker, five of 16. Sammy Ojale, nine minutes. Um, you know, it, 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 I got to tell you, finding a way to win this game um, 
I'm, 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 I couldn't be happier. I know we already moved on, but you know, this box score is ugly and you find a what you found a way to get it done and really good teams find a way to win. So, uh, but yeah, no more semi ogile please. It's got to stop at some point. It has to stop. Yeah. With Hayward back, I don't, I don't think you'll see any semi ogile Um, but Hayward is definitely a huge addition to this team. I almost forgot that like we had another guy who can just get <laughs> another all-star. Yeah. yeah. But that that's definitely going to be huge. I I wonder how he's going to fit into what Brad's kind of been doing on offense. I think it's going to be in a little bit of an adjustment. So I'm curious to see how that works. But definitely a huge boost to this team having Gordon Hayward back. Can't wait to see him back on the court. A couple of questions as we uh, as we tip our cap to Toronto. Uh, moving on here, who's going to be the dumb team to pay Fred VanVleet? Because somebody's going to do that. Charlotte would do it if they didn't uh, overpay our guy, Ter- uh, Terry. So I'm, I'm curious to know who's going to overpay for Fred VanVleet because somebody's going to do it. The Knicks, might, who the, the Knicks are probably high up on that list. The New York Knicks are going to sign Fred VanVleet to a max contract. You heard it here first. The New York Knicks are going to sign VanVleet to a max contract, and then they're going to trade for DeMar DeRozan. For, and it, it's, I don't like either of those moves. I, I don't either, but they're going to do it. Somebody is going to vastly overpay him, but if you can – Toronto probably wants to bring him back. You got to bring back Ibaka. That has to happen. Ibaka's good, man. Ibaka's a good part of that of, of that core. Unless you're completely blowing it up, I would definitely bring Ibaka back. Um, and then Gasol. I mean, game's kind of passing by, man. That's I think that's really what it comes down to is the game's passing by. Both Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka are on huge contracts right now. I'm not sure if they're upcoming free agents or not. I didn't look at that. But the Raptors have – no, had no cap space this season. They literally have no cap space. Got to get some of those big contracts out if you want to keep Van Fleet. So I'm interested to see what they do with their team. Obviously, they're going to stay contenders in the East because Nick Nurse is a great coach. Kyle Lowry is a great leader. Pascal Siakam, you know, he is an all-star even though he played horrible against the Celtics. He's still a great talent. He's getting paid like an all-star too. And they got they got deep bench talent. We didn't even mention Anunoby. Anunoby probably played probably the Probably the best out of any Raptor this He's year. He's the reason we're here. <laughs> Without OG Anunoby, we're playing. We're going. We're doing our game two preview of, uh, of Miami series. Yeah, that that shot shows you how quickly one shot can change a series. That if we go up three zero, we probably beat them in four or five games. Mm-hmm. But here we are after game seven. But uh, yeah. big shot by him. Shout out to him to that. One shining moment. And turning point. There really wasn't a turning point. It was just a. It was just. It was. It was a bar fight. It was a bar fight. So just give me your one shining moment. Uh, what do you have here? Yeah, close game throughout. So there wasn't really much of a turning point. But my my shining moment was the Marcus Smart chase down block on Norman Powell. That that's just the typical Marcus Smart play. Games on the line. I think it was a two or three point game at that point. If he makes that, it's a one possession game. Marcus Smart goes up blocks the ball can i be honest that's an impossible play like if you go back and you watch it like it is it is a full-blown impossible play if lebron james makes that play if lebron james makes that play it's on a banner in los angeles like that is an unbelievable play he gets all ball too so Mm -hmm. shout out to marcus first team all defense second year in a row i definitely the best defensive guard in the league honestly he might be the best defensive player in the league but i think I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. I think oh, the boy. reason Marcus Smart shines so much defensively is because this year the guys around him are also playing defense. The Marcus mm-hmm. Smart plays best defense when he's surrounded by four other guys who can play defense. So seasons before, 
they had those pieces that weren't really out there playing the best defense. I know Kyrie Irving is the big guy you want to throw out there that he just Come wasn't. On, throw someone else out there. Let's not just leave Kyrie on it. Let's not leave They're Kyrie on it. At times, um, I mean, back when we had like Kelly Olynyk as our starting center, guys like that. But now that you have four guys around him that are going to put all of their effort on the defensive end, Marcus Smart shines even more. Kemba too. I mean, Kemba again. We we've said it two or three times. Like. Kemba's given great effort on defense as well, and it's contagious. Like, Mar- having Marcus Smart on the team is contagious. I, again, I, I'll say it every podcast. I never want him to not be on my team. Like, period, end of story. I'm going to give an honorable mention, though, uh, for my one shining moment. It was the Jason Tatum rebound off of the two Grant Williams misses. When he went to the free throw, and I was like, all right, goal. Like, if we get one out of two, like, that's, that's a win. You got a rookie going up to the line. Huge game seven here. He misses both of them. And Jason Tatum, Kyle Lowry said in the postgame press conference, the little things, man. You don't box him out, gets the board, gets fouled, knocks down both free throws, extends the lead to two possessions. So um, that was a huge play as well down the stretch. Yeah, Jason Tatum, obviously the player of the game. 29 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists, a block and a steal. Easily the player of the game. Played great on defense too. Take Best player in the, on the court the whole series. Absolutely. Give me your bottom line. Miami, tomorrow. Yeah, is we're, it tomorrow? No, nah, first game is Tuesday. Oh, we get some time off. Okay, great. So, yeah, we'll go, we'll go into a bit of a matchup preview in another podcast between Boston and Miami. But Miami is going to be a tough series. That I've said this before. I hate playing Miami. You can't let them control the pace because when they play at their pace, they're really, really good on the offensive end. And the Celtics have to play better offensively. To, they have, to stay with Miami, they're going to have to consistently put up 100, 110, 120 points a game. Can't have 92 points. Got to shoot better than 23% from the three-point line. Got to shoot way better than 56% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Going to be a tough series. I'm looking forward to it. I think I got the Celtics winning this series in six or seven games. Six? Oh, man. This, I, I feel like this one's going seven. It's going to hurt seeing Tyler Hero. I love, I'm, I'm a huge Tyler Hero fan. Kelly Olenek, Jay Crowder. And again, like, I'm a big Bill Simmons guy. I'm a big Rosillo guy. J- Jimmy Butler plays the game like he's as good as he, – he truthfully believes that he's, like, one of the three best players in the league. He thinks he, he's the best. He is going to assert himself. I am really, really excited to watch Tatum and Jimmy Butler go at it because it's going it, to be – it's going to be just two gladiators going at it, man. And, man, I, I can't remember the last time I was this, this juiced for an ex- – for a series. This is going to be, this is going to be, again, it's going to be a bar fight and I'm, uh, I'm here for it. I cannot wait. I can't wait either. Game two or game one is Tuesday <laughs> at six thirty, and we will be back after then, hopefully with the Celtics game one win.